Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and let's dive in. How the devil are you? It's Thursday. You know it is. Yeah, it's the T-Shirt Podcast. Oh, I'm a bit cold. I might have to put the heating on, but I don't really want to do that at 10 to 3 in the afternoon. It doesn't seem right, but it is. It's very cold here in Manchester, but something that has just warmed me up now. And now you know how much I love doing this podcast. I get to meet all sorts of interesting characters week in, week out. But this episode that you're about to hear um, has jumped straight, straight into the top three favourites, favourite TSPs of all time. It's um, it's just a, a beautiful chat with a lovely, lovely man. Um, it's Sean Keaveney. He has been, uh, he was our breakfast show host on Six Music. We all listened to him. He jumped to the afternoon. And now he's doing all sorts of incredible things that you're going to hear about. Um, Even before I got to know Sean, um, he's interviewed me a few times and we have various mutual friends and we became pals. Um, So it was a joy to have him on. We've been trying to to plan it for quite some time. Um, but this uh, frosty, wintry January afternoon was the perfect time to do it. And we had the greatest chat. It's so lovely because, um, well, because of Sean, really. He, um, yes, he was a radio personality, a DJ, but, but he's always been himself. He's always been Sean, and I think... I know that's what um, that's what gained him such a following and such a community. Community, the word that comes up quite a lot. Um, such a community with uh, with his radio show. Yeah, and you're going to get to hear it. So let's um, let's welcome to the Two Shot Podcast the wonderful Sean Keaveney. Enjoy. See, I went all radio then. Um, Sean Keaveney, uh, Sean Keaveney, and uh, yeah, you enjoy. And I shall see you at the end. Sean, I don't normally do this, but because it's you... Special. It's, it's very special. I've, uh, I was on the treadmill this morning. Actual treadmill, not the treadmill of life. life. And I thought, um, I'm going to write Sean an introduction to pay homage to what you do. So, are you ready? Should we go with it? And then you yeah, can can't wait. Afterwards. Are you all right? Okay. Thank you. I'm going to get my best uh, radio voice on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go. This week on the Two Shot Podcast, I'm joined by a man, a legend in the world of broadcasting. For years, he was the beating heart of our breakfast routine. To some, he's the Mike Yarwood of his generation. A man of around seven voices, Primarily being deceased Coronation Street characters that only those of a certain age will remember, oh, and two and two of the Beatles, <laughs> a sometimes a sometimes stand-up comic, an author, an interviewer, a band member, 
a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, citation needed on those last three occupations. He's, he's, excuse me, he's a Lancashire legend who's lining up, line up, yeah, and changing the way we listen to radio one day at a time, but mainly on a Friday over the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sean W. Keevney! Now I now I know why I do introductions, having had one from you, because it disarms the protagonist immediately and makes them go all soft bellied, and they go, "Oh, you've that's nice. You've made an effort. You know what I do." It's brilliant, isn't it? It's a good little device. I mean, it is good. I've, but as I said, I've, in the five years I've been doing this podcast, I, I've never done that. I might, I might start doing. Do you think it worked? Did you like that, Sean? Did I, it butter you up? It buffed me right up. Uh, you know, you need it in Jan, don't you? You need a little buff. Um, and I'll just take you up on a couple of things, though. All right, yeah, all on. correct. All, mm. Big big mm. red ticks all round. Thank uh, you. But I particularly enjoyed your your mention of Mike Yarwood, not only because you're old, just about old enough to remember him, uh-huh. and for those that aren't, he was uh, an Im- mostly an impressionist of the 70s and early 80s, and... His birthday is the 14th of June, which is my birthday, which is Boy George's birthday, and it's also Donald Trump's birthday. Oh! <laughs> See, it's almost like I've done a bit of research for you. You've done that. You, you yeah. done, the boy done, great. It's all right, it's starting all right, isn't it? Um, Sean, as we normally do, this is how I normally open things, and I'm just going to fire some, just some questions to you, interpret them however you wish, but we start off, as we always do, with Sean Keaveney, a good film or a good book? Christ. Not Christ. No, that's not what I want to put down. The, the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> oh, I read it from cover to cover. Uh, I did a theology degree, actually. I actually did a theology and public media degree. Um, not because I was a God-fearing citizen, but because I, I had to leave and go back to college uh, under a cloud, and theology was the only subject available. Anyway, that's an aside. I would say, as far as a book's concerned... I, I haven't read a good novel for over a year now. I've I've gone I've slipped into a music biography space, space recently, but I want to get back into novels. And the last good one that I read was I forgot the name of it. Um, what was it called? The one that Douglas, you know, the Scottish writer Douglas Stewart. Um, yes, he was it. Shuggy Bane. Shuggy Bane. Well done. Uh, loved that. I love stuff like that. I lo- there's one called Carew as well. It's one of my favourites which is about this New York writer, this smart-ass New York writer who is a bit of a mess and he messes up everybody's lives around him and then it ends in the most ridiculous and surreal and brilliant and sad way. And then as far as films are concerned, I really wish that I could remember the the film that my wife and I watched last night. It was a, a, a Lebanese film. It was really good. But to play it safe... As if I was Stephen Henry on the snooker table, I would say something like I'd, I'd have to say something really obvious because I'm not I'm not really that much of a film buff, and say something like In the Name of the Father or The Shawshank Redemption or uh, The First Two Godfathers. Very very strong strong choices, um, Sean. For you, Saturday night or Sunday morning? Oh God. Well, no, it's more Sunday morning, isn't it, than Saturday night. I think it changes over the years, and I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to it changing again. Because when, when do you think it will change again? 
Right, let's think. My youngest is three because I've, uh-huh. I've gone back into the burning building. Um, and so like, I, an, like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why did you do that? We have a mutual friend <laughs> who's who went into the burning building just a year before me. Um, and 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 it, I mean, what you know, the thing is, she's a pleasure to get up for. She's absolutely mm. amazing. So it's all right. But when she starts laying in a bit, or when she starts getting to that age where I, I, you could leave me with Nanny and Grampy for the weekend if you want. Then I'll be right back on it. Um, but I, I rate that probably won't be for another five or six years. So for now, it's Sunday morning. It's coming downstairs with the youngest or perhaps with all three of them, putting on a pot of coffee and uh, eating some quality carbohydrates staring out the window. It's a strong, strong Sunday start. Sean, as the father of of... Two young boys and two and one young girl. Did you see a huge? Because I'm obviously father of a son. Mm. I don't have a daughter, but do you see huge differences as between the young boys and the young girls? Were you prepared for it? No, I wasn't prepared for it. So I, 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 um, I mean, I don't. I'm not prepared for anything in life because, and people are going to get really sick of this because I talk, I've talked about little else in interviews for a, a year now, but. Being adult ADD, mm. uh, I won't go into it. I'll leave it. I'll leave that uh, twitching on the at, at your feet there. We'll have to unpack that. But one of the sim- one of the things that happens when you have it, for me at least, is that future planning, thinking into the future, it, it's not available to you. So you don't. You, you, the only thing you've got is panic because you, you you can't imagine what it's like. You can't plan it, so you don't. You tend to panic. So when the third. Babber came along. I was just, uh, I think I ruined my wife's pregnancy completely by just constantly being in a free fall. Mike, it's just <laughs> fucking, but, 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 but the thing about a, this particular girl, in, and I've heard a lot of people say this, the difference between boys and girls, and it sort of rings true, that in, to be very generalised about it, boys tend to be chaotic, more chaotic more energetic uh, in a mm. physical sense, more physical, more a bit more crackers, a bit more difficult to entertain. They, you know, you can tell them the thing 80 times and they don't really listen. Mm. And, and in general, and being very general here, I know there are many exceptions to the rules, but girls tend to be a little bit more nurturing, a little bit more in tune with what another person thinks, even at a young age. You know, the, 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 my three-year-old girl is already like... Um, tidier than my 14 and 12 year old boys you know just as an example you know and and that's just a really basic stuff i mean that you know obviously as, as they get older it gets much more sophisticated doesn't it mm-hmm. but that's so, what i've that's what i've noticed so far so far it could all change yeah it will sean you're at the theater oh god I need- not, it's not it's not going well do you uh do, do you walk out at the interval or do you sit through it? I've done it. I've done that before. I have walked out of mm. things. Uh, I'm a bit of a... F- um, I've been told off for saying this recently because you don't don't categorise yourself, Sean. Don't paint yourself into a corner. But I tend to be a bit of a French exit kind of a guy. I do that more at night nights out than, than, than stuff like the theatre. So, you know, I have a skin full. I, f- I think I've said everything I'm going to say. I start getting a bit tired and then I just fuck off. Mm. Um, but in the theatre, I don't go to the theatre often enough, I don't think, to, to do that. So when I do go, it's because of, of something that I've, I really want to see. 
And so it's so unlikely. However, in I think in the year 2005, I've seemed to remember, this isn't quite the theatre, going to watch Chicago mm-hmm. uh, in Covent Garden. Chicago. 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 With my ex-wife. Oh, that's a bit more New York, isn't it? And, um, <laughs> sorry, I can't do the, all the American nuances. I, it's not one of my seven voices, that. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, Percy. Get off me, woman! <laughs> Uh, and, and me, me and my ex-wife walked out of that halfway through because it was just like it weren't working for us. You know, I'm no. not. I'm not. I'm not really a musicals guy as a general rule myself. I don't know about you. Um, my first job was a musical. Son, can't sing. Can't sing. How did I get it? Don't know. Tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either <clears throat> graduate from drama school and carry on working in Pizza Hut in Wood Green. Not not a not a nice environment. Nothing against Pizza Hut. Paid my wages while I was at drama school was good. Or do I go and pretend to to sing in a in a West End show and earn a few hundred quid a week at twenty one in nineteen ninety seven and try and bluff it? Yeah, bluffed it for a few months. It was all right, wasn't it? Best acting I've ever done getting that job. <laughs> I'm amazed I didn't know that. That's so good. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah, I'm not that big on it. Sean, less ambition or more ambition as we uh, we age? Mm. Well, ooh, that's a really good question, I think, for people in my age, because what I would, I'd love to be in the position of being able to say less, because if I had followed every rainbow of opportunity up to this point, um, and you know, and and sort of become what my what one of my first radio bosses, the brilliant, and the wonderful Leslie Douglas, who was used to run Six Music and Radio Two, and I've said this before, but one of the things she said to me in our first proper meeting when she employed me in two thousand and six was, and she's a wonderful Geordie woman, you you could be the next Jonathan Ross, and I was like so filled with. What? It's, the, it's the only time I've ever felt it. Certainly not felt it in the intervening 17 years. Walking on sunshine, Craig. I was like, mm. well, I am just a ball of potential here. The only way is up. And Yaz was right. Um, and uh, But I didn't I didn't really fulfil all that potential in, in, the, in that way. I, I've fulfilled it in many other ways, and I, I don't have any regrets about it. But the consequence of, of me not being that ambitious for the last 20 years is that I probably have to get a bit more ambitious now so that I can continue to pay my mortgage and maybe not, maybe actually be able to afford to retire at 78. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my that's my new ambition. Is Maybe I could get a little a little boat or something when I'm 78. I mean, like a, you know, like a tug, like, like one that goes on the canal uh, and I can take my foot off the gas around that time. Uh, so in a weird way, I've I've got to force myself to be more ambitious in these middle years, I think. Was there ever a plan to go... Um, sorry, I'm just writing down, uh, scrapping out seven, writing eight. Very <laughs> no, strong, uh, Geordie. Was there ever a plan um, for you to, to move into television? Because for me, before we got to know each other, and you've interviewed me a few times... Mm. Um, you, you, your home just seems the radio. Mm. It fits so well, and and I think I know why. I think it's because I think it's because you're a very good listener. 
Yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I do agree with, with you. I think that I'm radio. You you know, cut, cut me and it will say radio uh, throughout. It would be awful to do that. But um, I, I am radio. I am, I am an audio person. Mm. And I think that, again, that's a lot to do with my brain and my wiring. I, as you will notice I'm doing it right now. For the listeners at home, you can't see. I close my eyes a lot when I'm talking. You know, it's something to do with the way it all works up there. And so the audio environment for me, cans on. Mm. Uh, maybe he- I've headphones. got headphones. Sorry, <laughs> using using he- the technical parlance there. Headphones. Got my I, if I've got my little environment right. Mm. Got my mixing desk, and I know what all the faders do. I've got my little cart wall, which is where all my sounds reside, and all my little beds that I talk over. I've got the music over here. If I've got that, I can do anything. I could I could do a 24-hour broadcast if you really wanted to. Who would want that? So I'm in my comfort zone. And you take me out of that, you put, you put, as you know this, if you're in a television studio, you are completely powerless, really. Mm-hmm. You're, you're virtually powerless. You know, if you're yeah. Chris Evans in 1993, maybe you're not because you've, you're a powerful person and you can hire and fire and say, I want it like this and that's a load of shit. But mostly, in general, if you're doing telly, you're just a cog in a wheel, and 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 some people are so good at it, and uh, it's never been my ambition, real. And I do bits, you know. I, I I do like doing stuff for Sky Arts. We do they make, they very kindly employ me every year now, or more or less, to do the Isle of Wight Festival or something, you know. And I'm just one of two other presenters. It's usually me and Edith or somebody else, and it's great, you know. This oh, I tell you what, you and a cameraman go up to the top of the big wheel and talk some shite for for ninety seconds. You know, I'm good at that. No problem. No problem. But the idea of doing it proper uh, doesn't really interest me, you know. And also, I'd have to then I would have to, I probably have to get one of those Peloton bikes, Craig. And I pro- probably, you know what I mean. I probably yeah. the, the vanity would kick in. I'd see myself and I'd go, "You got to lose a stone. You have to lose a stone." And and that uh, the, you know what it's like the at the age of fifty having to lose a stone. Forget it, mate. I mean, it's hard enough at uh, 46, I find, Sean. It all changes, doesn't oh, it? Oh, mate. When you get you get over 45, your eyes go, you you know, you put another couple of inches around the waist. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Sean, one last question. Uh, not one last question. One last question of this. Would you say you're a better host or a better guest? Well, oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. Oh. Well, that's a good, another good one because I've rarely been a, a guest until recently and then leaving six music was uh and was uh, so many it was weird but it was good for so many things and one of the things it was all of a sudden good for was that people wanted to interview me and I, it felt great because pay but partially be honest it's a bit of an ego boost which we all need but secondly it took the weight right off me i didn't have to do what you've had to do mm. and fucking go through bloody go on the internet and find stuff out about it. you just sit there and talk nonsense but the idea of, I mean, uh, again, me and me and my missus sit and we'll watch, uh, we'll watch a Graham Norton on a Friday night just to wind down. And uh, some people are professional guests, aren't they? Some people are so good at it, and they bring the anecdotes. Yeah, they know exactly what to do, or if they've got that those impressions in the locker that no one's seen them do before, they're going to bring those out. Yeah. prime time, aren't they? They're really good, and it's a thing that uh, you know. I mean, obviously, the greatest exponent, Billy Connolly, or somebody like that, but. And then there's loads of other people who are good at it. So I don't know. I think, I still think I'm probably a better host though. 
Probably, because I, I am good at getting the best out of people in general, I think. Mm. Very, very few people that I've, I've come up against that I've not ended up tickling the belly of, you know. That's and true. You included, yeah. Craig. Your belly has been tickled by me a couple yeah. of times, did you say? <laughs> Off air and on air, some would say. <laughs> but I miss, you mentioned Graham Norton there, and he's very good at, at his job and what he does, but I do miss the days of the other Parkinson. And um, for them, you know, the other one, you know that one. The lesser known. I, the lesser known. I miss that format. I miss that style of people coming on and not just having seven to 12 minutes of yeah. vlogging the new TV show or, you know, talking about a film that we all know is terrible, but yeah. they kind of, they're really pushing it. I find that... I don't get anything about that person. It was one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because it's like, I don't care. Whenever I talk to actors, we never talk about jobs. We never talk. You don't don't have to tell me what what's on te- you're on telly next week. I don't really care. It doesn't yeah. matter. I want, to, I want the listeners, and I want to discover more about the person who's in front of me, like they did, like they did, like... And people, some people won't remember this at all, but like Russell Harty mm. used to do, like Michael Parkinson used to do, in some respects, um, like Wogan used yes. to. Yes, you know, I totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But again, it's it's an old it's an old idea in a sense. And then again, that's what's good about podcasts, I suppose, isn't it? Is that that's it fills that gap a little bit, and the podcast like yours is great for that. It gives people an opportunity to unpack themselves a little bit and in a bit more mm. time but yeah those those names wogan and he's back he's always he's never far from my thoughts because he was my mentor when i started in wogan house and he was a very kind man to me but also just an incredible like you say tv host he was some of the if you go on youtube and watch some of those vid, vids of him interviewing people he's really sometimes he's really um He's incisive. Sometimes he's sometimes he's just playing funny. He's always getting the best out of people. But when when he needs to be, he can be. He can stare down the barrel and be really harsh, like he, put people in the place, not take any shit. It's incredible skill to do that on national television three di- nights a week, which is what yeah, you're doing. yeah, ridiculous. And like you say, like Parkinson, it's that it's that idea of. That that's what I I completely agree. I can't. I'm allergic to people selling me shit, and that's perhaps an age thing, and I can't be doing with it. And and we, we, I did a a, a, a very ill starred podcast, and I only did ten episodes of it because it's too much like our work, Craig. But it, it was called Sean Keeney's Creative Cul de Sac, and uh, that was the the idea of that was like just going through your notebooks. So we're going to have Craig Parkinson on this week. Bring us bring us a lot of stuff from the top drawer of your desk and we'll go through some of your dead ideas and that was the basic idea but the the real idea behind it was let's just have a conversation about something with an interesting person who's done some stuff but not about what they're selling now because mm. what could be a bigger turn off than that well, incidentally um, incidentally community garden radio is every friday you can catch it at patreon.com slash sean keeney the lineups <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts and another episode another series of your place or mine will be coming up in april on bbc sounds uh, Griff, there's your edit point there. Just take that out um, when we go and set it. Sean will be fine with it. We'll, just, we'll plug it in the show notes. Um, <clears throat> Sean, let's go back. Let's go way back. Let's go back to Lee in Lancashire. Let's uh, 
Let's talk about family life in the Keaveney household. Take, take me there, please. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, what a lovely question. I am blessed, Craig. Blessed. I am a blessed man. Um, and uh, I've had this convo r- relatively recently, and it's been it's been great to be taken back to, to, to childhood because I cannot. The the when people ask me that, it reminds me of about gratitude. How important it is to have gratitude, you know. And so, obviously, we can all get caught up with. Oh, that should have happened. That didn't happen. Why is that not job come on? Why do we we need a we need a kitchen extension? Next door's got one. We haven't got one. What the fuck's going on? You know, and uh, really important to remember a bit of daily gratitude. And I, I honestly, my family, are the they are like a, a modern. They are a wonder, an ancient and modern wonder of the world. My family, they're a big old family, northwest of England, the Keevnies. I don't know, like, you know, a hundred years ago would have been living in sort of uh, near Galway somewhere. And then one of the poor bastards came across at the Irish Sea and ended up in near Wigan somewhere, which, I mean, what a godforsaken place that must have been. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's hard times now, but a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there we go. But, it, you know, we, we always, we always, the Keevenies live near each other and they still do. I'm, I'm the massive outlier who left, but nearly all the rest of them. And that includes all our other families. So the Keevenies, the Mellings, uh, the Orals, you know, they, they're all sort of within streets of each other. There's this huge network. And um, so we went, when we went back up at Christmas, it's just, there are so many people to see. There are so many houses to go in. But when we were kids, our house in particular, my mum and dad's house became a hub for a, a lot of my friends and um, and they all used to sort of descend upon our house and we'd have huge Christmas parties, family and friends. It was all very, it's very beautiful. And it's only when you look back as an adult, you realise if you are any kind of success as a human, that that's why, you know, because it, yeah. they, they sort of created that, whatever, you know. I mean, it, it, there are bad things about it. Like that's one of the reasons I'm not a particularly ambitious person because I haven't got any burning thing inside me, any kind of, oh, fuck show you dad you said i couldn't can do it well i'm fucking doing it you know there's none of that because my mum and dad have always been well i just don't know why he's not prime minister billy neither do i joan it's it, their loss anyway he's on radio two on friday and it's the best show i've ever heard you know so with all that love you know the waves of love what, how can you fail? You can't. So No, not at all. The that, foundations there are lovely, very strong and supportive, aren't they? Isn't it? Mm. It's so lovely, having a, having a good northern hearth and home, that I'm, I'm very happy about it. Do you, do you miss the north, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, I do miss it. I do miss it. Oh, you know, all the conversations go, maybe one day, you know, maybe we could, I don't know. But I, I don't think, I don't think I'd probably would move back to Lay, um, really, because it, I wouldn't be able to do my work so much there and stuff like that, you know. And mm-hmm. I go up, we go up a lot anyway, so it's probably not that necessary, you know. That I was, I did have a thought at Christmas. We were walking past a nice bungalow on the canal, and I was like, I tell you what, you know, this is me being not not being avaricious again. If I could just like have a bit of a successful couple of years. And then buy a little cottage in like on the canal near Lee, 
And then whenever we come up, you know, we can stay in our little cottage by, you know. <laughs> wife's just like, right, okay. Weird, weird, weird dream to have there, Sean. But you shoot big, mate. You shoot big. Speaking of the North and speaking of radio, Sean, it, it, you do have a, it's a, it's a strong Lancaster accent that you have that you've never really shied away from. Were you ever told by heads of department in radio to tone it down or sound more like X, Y, Z? Well, I was lucky in a way because when I started, which would have been, I, I did my first ever shows on my own on London's 104.9 XFM in the year 2000, fucking hell, 23 years ago. Mm. And um, I, the first shows I did, they were very kind and they gave me a slot, which was midnight till 6am on a Sunday, <laughs> six hours. I'm currently doing I'm Johnny Walker's rock show on Radio 2 at the moment. God, thank you so much to Johnny for letting me do it. And that's a one-hour show. <laughs> oh, that seemed like a... Br- that was so much fun to do one hour. Unbelievable. Wow. You've, hardly te- you've not taken your coat off. You know, I, I, I've, I've been saying this. I've been in post office queues longer than this can show. <laughs> but, you know, six hours is, is a slog, you know. Um, but the one thing that I... I used to dread was the, the in radio they do a thing called a snoop or they used to do where you you would have whenever your fader went up it would activate a little tape recorder and it would record your link and uh, every so often your line manager your program controller in my case the guy called Andrew Phillips a lovely guy actually uh, he'd call me in nine that's Let, nine, nine nine voices <laughs> Sorry, 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 Magic effect. Don't, don't you understand what a radio presenter is? Haven't you ever haven't you ever heard Bruno Brooks? You know, so the one thing that people like that would always say without fail, and it still happens sometimes today if I work at other stations, is just a little bit, maybe a bit more, just a bit more energy. Bit, just bring it up a bit. Yeah. Bring it up. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You love it. You love you love to pow. You love to pow. Go on. <laughs> China in your hand. You love it. <laughs> You, that, exactly, you know, that sort of... Uh, with a smile. Say it with a smile. I, 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 I want to see the smile yeah. between your eyes and it needs to come out of the voice. Okay? <laughs> it's that. You've heard it. You've seen it. It's a bit... It's very Stephen Toast, you know. And um, and, and, and I was... the one, one of the few times, and I don't make many epochal decisions because I'm indecisive and I, I don't, can't plan, but one thing I decided re- really early on was um, it's it's shit or bust, mate. You you either employ me because you like me or you can go off because I'm not going to sit here and pretend, especially not at half past three on a Tuesday morning, yeah. and pretend to be happy to be there. You must be joking. I mean, that would that's actual insanity, isn't it? And the mm. idea of tuning it, they don't have overnight, live overnights on any radio stations anymore. I much lament that. If you tuned into somebody at twenty past three on a, on a Tuesday morning, and they sounded chirpy, and the, let's go through the papers anyway. Um, Rishi Sunak, 
uh, is talking about uh, forcing children uh, to do maths until 18. A huge energy crisis, of course. Bills go up 79,000%. Anyway, this is China crisis with uh, just died in your arms tonight. It's like, that sounds like the kind of thing that, if you, you know, you've got a gun to the back of your neck. To interrupt, do you remember um, a film called Midnight Caller? Yeah. That's what I used to like. It's, it's just all very, uh, very slow. Very, and there people would call in with uh, questions, dilemmas, problems. Yeah. And they would, they would just talk through the night. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. That's what I would like to hear on the radio. That's what you want at that time of night. Exactly. You want, in, you want intimacy. You want honesty. You want, you want, and also in my view, and I, it's been borne out, people want to hear somebody who sometimes is suffering more than they are. Or at least as much. They don't want, and that's why the Chris Evans effect is remarkable to me. But and that's another. It's a divergent and totally different kind of broadcasting. It's an aspirational kind of broadcasting, which I also understand the the need for. That kind of, my life's great. I drove here in a Ferrari. Uh, I I was just saying to my wife in our seven thousand square foot kitchen. You know that some people really like that stuff, and that's yeah. great. But that is I would literally rather cut my kin ears off with a ha- with an axe than listen to that for nine seconds. I'm much more about things being real, you know. But I think that's, that's the, you just said the word intimacy. I think that is such a strong connection with the listener to radio because I can, I can hear lies on the radio. Yeah. You can just hear it. Or if someone's interviewing somebody and... They're, they're laughing at what they've said. You don't find that funny. You don't have to pretend that it's funny. Um, but with your personality, with a radio personality, your breakfast show compared to hosting an afternoon show, did you have what changes did mm. you have to implement there? <laughs> oh, another it's another zinger actually. That it's making me think about stuff. Well, we want that's what we want. One of the, I, th- I honestly think that one of the reasons that I got shown the door at Six Music was because we didn't think about that enough. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's, I don't want to, I don't want to open old wounds, Sean. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I, I couldn't be happier to be out of there. But, but I miss, I miss a lot of my lovely friends there. But I, otherwise, happy to move on. But, but that does answer the question in a way because I. In all, in all honesty, I don't think we, I don't think I took the change. I couldn't get my head round it, to be honest. I couldn't get my head round it. I, I, I'm not very good at that. I, I'm good at the talking bit. I'm good at the dicking about bit and making jokes, making things funny, making people feel comfortable. I'm good at all that's the nuts and bolts of. But anything to do, as I said before, with planning, with strategy, terrible at it. And so what ended up actually happening, Craig, is that I really think that we more or less did what we were doing in the morning, more or less in the afternoon. We made a couple of different, couple of little changes and tweaks, but that was it. And consequently, I internally, in my deep, deep subconscious, and I'm usually quite good these days at listening to the gut instinct, but I sort of didn't in this instance because I was so desperate to leave breakfast. I was so tired. That I would do anything, and when they offered me the afternoons, I was like, "Well, that's good because at least I don't have to go looking for another bloody job somewhere else." You know, and I'm a path of least resistance guy, so I took it, but didn't revamp it enough. And inside, I could hear this tiny voice, like at the bottom of a well, Craig, going, and it was my inner voice: "You fucked up. 
you've made a mistake. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> I'll have another, I'll have another half bottle of wine. You, you, I won't shut up. You've, it up mate you've made a mistake you should have left you should have done something brave shut up and i was like and it was literally that internal dialogue for for ages and then covid happened and we were amongst the only people who could do our jobs at that time mm, and we felt yeah. we took that dead serious and we that really grew at that moment my connection with my audience got really really strong then because of that intimacy because a lot of people were on their own because a lot of people were stuck yeah and and it was an, an ill and it was an awful time and so in a way although it was the worst time ever it was a it was a strong time for us building that relationship and um but that's the thing in the end when they sort of said you you got to go and i was a bit upset and aggrieved it soon struck me and my very good friend Murray Lachlan Young, the poet, pointed this out because he's some kind of cosmic shame and madman, said, Sean, you've been asking the cosmos to move on for years. The cosmos listened and the cosmos moved you on. Not in the way you wanted to, but that's what you asked for and that's what you got. And I was like, shit, you're absolutely right. So there you go. It, you know, I, I should have paid more attention to the change, but it was great what happened in the end, I suppose. But it took a bit of time, obviously, for you to accept that that change was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it did. After, you know, after all those years of of being there and being there for us as listeners, you know? Does that ever happen to you, Craig? I mean, you, I know it's different in a sense being an actor because you, you that's, you're peripatetic. You're, that's the, the job of the actor is that you are, you couldn't possibly ever, like the HMRC tried to do with us at the BBC, well, you are now an employee of the BBC. You know, that was one of the things that was weird. They could never do that with you because your entire job is moving on from one to the next. That's the whole point. But has that kind of thing ever happened to you where you felt really comfortable in a place and then you, you've been shoved along without your... In- well, you know, we were talking about control before in regards to sort of radio moving into TV. That is the one thing as actors. There is such a lack of control mm. because we're at the behest of... Um, scripts being written and roles being written and uh, direction being yeah. given. And if you're comfortable in a in a job and you really enjoy it, you've got family atmosphere and it's fantastic, and then all of a sudden you turn the page and you go, and he gets a bullet in his head. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. I can't, well, I kind of knew it was coming. And you just... I think when that first happened to me, I thought, well, do you know what? I've had a cracking run yeah and it wouldn't really make sense storyline to carry on playing such a role so maybe he needs to go down in a in a blaze of bullets and blood and a bit of glory so yeah but as sad as i was for that specific moment he just a bit of uh a bit of time away and you go no, it yeah. was definitely the right thing to do. So that's the only thing I can sort of compare it to. But you're absolutely, that's what you've got to do. You've got to zoom out, you know. You've mm. got to zoom out always. I try and tell this to the to the kids, you know. Get a bit of perspective and just zoom. And just, it's not that big, actually. And also, you know that the, I'm very cosmos-orientated in my old age. The mother in cosmos has got someone else lined up for you that's hopefully not yet the, you know, the, the, pine, the pine overcoat there's going to be another chapter and something interesting is going to happen. You've got to let, you've got to stop something to let that 
energy goes somewhere else, haven't you? And then it always goes somewhere interesting in the end, you know. It does, even even though it is hard to see right at the time. But I think the older we get, I don't shoot my mouth off as much as I used to and just go in and mm. and go to war straight away. I sit back and hopefully contemplate and just have a really good think. Yeah, that's it. Did you used to be fiery? Did you used to do that a bit? Yeah, <laughs> a, bit a bit fighty? Uh, listeners, uh, your host <laughs> is shaking his head in agreement with Sean's question. Yeah, I was a bit, mate. I was. Um, but I've learnt, and I think it's very important, to choose your battles. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's oh my God. I mean, that is that is a big learning curve, isn't it? Like I, and I do this in my personal relationships uh, much more now. You know, if there are one or two people in my life that are problematic for whatever reason, sometimes instead people who can trigger you, you know, by just using half a sentence or a word, mm. you're immediately you're fighting immediately. Mm. That that's the, the step back, take a deep breath, don't reply. Well, what I'm what I'm very good at now, and I never used to be at all, but I I think it comes hopefully with gaining a bit of knowledge and educate yourself and age I think I do think age is I remove myself from the situation and whether I have to just switch off or physically take myself out that's good yeah that can only be a positive right absolutely mate chill out Sean just going back to that final broadcast um of the afternoon show on six. I remember where I was. I was driving. um, I was driving from Gloucestershire back up to Manchester. You had all sorts of lovely guests on. um, And people were trying to guess what that last song was that you were going to play. And it was, I found it quite emotional. So you, you, I think you really held it together. I think. How how was that for you saying goodbye and turning that mic? It must have been really emotional for you. It was huge. It was huge, that one. And and it's funny that we talk today because what's actually just happened, you, you might not know this, but um, Ken Bruce, a pop master, Ken Bruce, BBC Radio 2, 9.30 till 12, Monday to Friday, has just announced that he's leaving Radio 2, the Ravens are leaving the Tower, etc. And um, it was a bit like when Steve Wright left as well. I know all these guys, the radio legends, I used to work cheek by Joe with them for years and I consider them radio friends and that's an amazing privilege for me. But what was amazing about both of those guys is that they just sort of dropped it, dropped the news like, bang, there you go. Anyway, I'm leaving. Let's not make too big a deal of it. Here's, Be- here's Betty Davis' eyes. Wow. You know, and whereas yeah. what, what I did, as you might remember, Craig, is made it the content for my show for three months. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> and, 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 and now looking back, that looks, in comparison, like an unclassy thing to do. <laughs> but um, I, the reason I did it was because for a couple of reasons, but one was, I think, weirdly, I think everybody had this idea that I was going to some huge money gig, you know. Oh, it, oh Keevan's dropping the BBC. Oh, I can hot potato because he's going to converge for £2 million, pound, I heard. 
oh, yeah, they're giving him a gold Ferrari. You know, and I was getting a bit wazzed off with it all because I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to be uh, gauche or, or sort of talk about anything that I didn't shouldn't have talked about. But equally, I didn't want it pinned on me. I didn't mm. want it being like. Why is Sean leaving? It's like, well, I was I'm leaving because I was I was asked to go actually, um, but also I was I was making it all about me for three months, partially because I always need content, but also because I was like, I need to make sure that I can go on to do something else, and in in lieu of in the absence of big money, uh, you know, sort of offers which I've never mm. had, I've never had. Um, I've got to make my own thing, so I had to go on about it to remind people I'm leaving. So I need to put you in my mind. I need you. I need you to remember me, and I need to, you know, sort of. And it it sort it, it worked actually. But that last one, I remember that last. The last show was so beautiful, for so many reasons, and uh, so many lovely things. I particularly remember, and we did. We had loads of great guests on, and, and Simon Pegg came on and asked, for, and it played Forest Fire by Lloyd Cole, and that made me cry. And then. Loads of other brilliant guests, and Amy LeMay was in in the in the uh, in the studio with me, and and I played this uh, this poem that Murray wrote for me, and it was just so amazing. Oh, it was beautiful. And it, you yeah, know, I remember that. It's just a thing, you know. But what a thing it was, and and we were all in bloody floods, you know, at this point. But I, I actually did. I did, I never used to write anything down. But I sort of, but Phil, my producer, said you've got to kind of write your last link because otherwise it will. You, you, don't, you don't know what's going to happen. So I did. I sort of, sort of kind of scripted the last part, the last link, you know. And um, and that was a big one because it weirdly, it sowed the seeds for the thing that I did next, you know. Because I, I, I said this thing about, you might think, what's this guy going on about? It's just a radio show, you know. And I, I was making the point that a radio show isn't just a radio show. It's a community of people who buy into something, they buy into an idea together and ideals and they share ideals and they share ideas about what's funny or what, what music's good or what, what values are important. And that is actually invaluable. And uh, so that was I, that's where this idea of community garden radio came from, you know. And then I played We've Only Just Begun by the Carpenters and everybody started crying. <laughs> I had to pull over onto the hard shoulder and get my handkerchief out. A hard shoulder to cry on. <laughs> Playing tonight at Dublin Castle. <laughs> Sean, so what was the plan? You mentioned about community, but that didn't come straight away, did it? No. Well, did you have to. Did you have to take a bit of time to think and throw a, throw a few sort of um, letters out there or ideas? I had uh, one of the things that I did, like back in the May, actually, before I left in September, was there was a lot of WTF, you know, and a lot of a lot of zooms with various top bods of radio stations who were just so, you know, so so much nonsense as well. And it's understandable. People, what people really need want to say in that moment is, well, don't come to me for a job because they haven't got nothing. Mm. That's what that's what the subtext is. Because getting a big radio job, you might as well be just waiting for somebody to die because nobody ever lets go of something like that. So it's not like, it's not going to happen. So there's a lot of that. And I had a massive piece of yellow paper about, about as big as a window. And I just started, like, memento or whatever, just started scrawling on it. What Things I might do. I might write a book, write that down. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I could do. I could do a bit of DJing, you know, and all this. I didn't do 
nine and a half tenths of it, really. And then when the time came, I was lucky. I had a couple of months gardening leave. You know, they, they had to pay me till the end of my contract, which was great. That, that hardly ever happens. So I had a bit of time to lick my wounds. Very kindly, my good friend Matt Everett, my co-presenter, who's a bit of a podcast genius, he got me this, you know, gig doing the lineup. So that was nice as well. I was at a little bit of a foothold still. Tell, just to stop you there, tell uh, the listeners who don't listen to the lineup. I want, I do want you to talk about it because I, I listen and you've had lots of my friends on and it's a lovely, lovely show. Uh, your last guest was uh, Joe Cornish, which I listened yeah. to in the gym last week. Very entertaining. Just, just, just tell us about the premise, mate. Yeah, thank you for asking me to un- to do that. It's, it's and it wasn't mine. It was their idea, and and I just ran with it. But it's basically, it's really, uh, it's like a cross between Desert Island Discs and um, you, that classic dinner party conversation. You know, like who would you invite? And, and it, but it's like a fantasy festival over the course of a perfect day, and uh, just five acts, living or dead. That's all you got to do. Tell us what you, what we're eating at the festival, who you're partying with, and then the rest of it is like a combination of the love that that person, that guest has for the music, but then also the other things that come out in conversation when you talk about stuff like that. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of emotional family and uh, sort of other things, hopefully, that we touch on at times. But yeah, it's it's nice. It's, it, like we were saying before, it's nice to get people talking about and uh, enthusing about stuff that's not my new book. It's it's great to hear yeah. somebody talking like self esteem, talking about how much she can loves Peter Gabriel or something like that. Uh, you know, uh, so that's nice. John Sim, past guest on this podcast, talking about the Beatles. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was always going to go with them to headline. Wasn't of course, he, he was. But that, that's you would have already known that, and you're I, you're, you're a really good interviewer. You're getting good stuff out of people and, and incisive questions. But I didn't know that until John said that to me. That he, him and his dad used to be in a a sort of cabaret duo. Yeah. And he had yeah. to break up the band. Yeah, His dad was pissed off with it. I love that story. I think it's such a funny story. But that's the lovely thing about the uh, about the lineup as well. You do get those personal stories even through the relaxed conversation about talking about bands and they think about, oh yeah, well I used to love the Beatles. I remember when I first heard yeah. that or somebody played me this record and told me I had to listen because it, it was going to speak to you. So you get that in, in, a, in a lovely relaxed way, a lovely fashion, Sean. I really do like oh. it. I'm not just saying that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And you do, you get you get good stuff. Like we had when we had Shappy Core Sandy on and she was just, we ended up talking about her having adult ADHD and, and, and how emotional that was and difficult that was. And, how, you know, so all this stuff comes out. It's good. I do want to talk about it, if you're all right, um, about how did you take the steps to get diagnosed? Hmm. God, well, well, actually, um, the reason I did it, the, the real reason that I did it in the end was because mm. my eldest um, was diagnosed with ADHD, and that was that was really the start of it. I, I, I definitely noticed a lot of things that I was struggling with, and I think what happens what happened to me was when you're younger and you don't have dependence and you don't really have that much going on apart from you, it's it's very easy to mask or or, or, or things get obfuscated 
you know, neurodivergencies because they don't, they don't just don't come up that much. But when you, all of a sudden you've got two kids, three kids, oh my God, I'm divorced. Oh my God, I've got a breakfast show and I've got two kids and they don't live with me half the time. I've got to get organized. Oh my God, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a new wife. I've got a third child. Um, my life's absolute chaos. Uh, that and, and when it starts impacting other people's lives, like it was doing, especially my partner and especially my kids, uh, when I found out about Arthur and I started looking at uh, what he, you know, the, the the diagnosis, I was like, this is me as well. So that was that was the the kernel of it. And unfortunately, the way things are in this country at the moment, I and I, I'm not saying this with an expectation that anybody would agree with me, but. Um, I, in my personal opinion, the conservatives are pure evil, and that uh, they're almost willfully destroying a once great country. Um, we don't really have a working NHS at the moment because of them. So I had to go and pay some money to get diagnosed and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm only just on the journey. I've I've just started on the the medication recently, and it helps, Craig. It really helps. I can't really describe it, but especially because you've got a different brain set up to me but it's sort of almost like it just gives you a it just gives you a little bit more space in your mind you, you, things aren't all on top of them, each other and, and chaotic as much you've got a little bit more space and you can just one really prosaic example was two weeks ago I was sitting here at this desk on this laptop and um, I was working through my to-do list quite well and uh, all of a sudden I just looked at my laptop screen and went, your desktop is an absolute fucking disaster. Look at it. There are about 700 pages on it. And so then I took 90 minutes just rearranging it, putting that in the delete bin, putting that get. And, and I've ne- I would never, I can't describe to you how non, how un me that is, mm-hmm. but it was so you weird for me. It was so unusual. It's like, how can a little pill that you take, do something to your synapses and to your, your brain chemistry, and then all of a sudden you find yourself tidying shit up. <laughs> Even noticing that things are untidy, that's the bit. Because if you did notice, even without the drugs, you'd go, I would have worked out, oh, you know what, it's a bit messy in here. I piss my wife off, understandably, and, and somebody might fall over that. You don't even notice when, it, when you've got my condition a lot of the time. Take that drug, and you do. And it, yeah. it starts to change your life in, in ways that you didn't expect, I think. Did the diagnosis, uh, even at its early stage, give you some sort of clarity? Yeah, it did. I, I was really craving that. It, it, it was it was a bit difficult for a few weeks as well, and I've been warned about that. A, f- a friend of mine's girlfriend had been through the exact same thing a few weeks before, and she was saying she'd struggled with it a bit for a, for a while because it, it is also difficult to hear uh, as, as well as li- it's a liberation because it's like right that's what it is and I can do something about it I've got some agency and that's all brilliant but there's an interim period where you, you're waiting for that whole stuff that stuff to happen and I think I was worse for a while you know and I was I was more angry and more pissed off and more difficult to live with and more chaotic and more confused. And I think maybe I, the only thing I could work out was that maybe you start to lean into it a bit when you know you've got it, mm. you, you know, before you get the treatment, you're just like, well, I've AD- what do you expect? I'm ADD. What do you expect? Of <laughs> course, course there's loads of shite all over the floor because I'm ADD. <laughs> Don't you know I'm ADD? You know, and you go through a bit of a period like that. I, I did anyway. 
but now it feels a little bit more like and and again it, it was it'll carry on hopefully it'll keep i might be get might get a little bit of bit of treatment a bit of uh, cbt you know they might yeah. they might titrate my chemicals a bit i might i could i've made this joke before but this time next year i could be a billionaire ceo you just never know <laughs> oh god John. explain to me about community garden radio oh, wow. what is it and how did you come up with it lovely lovely this is the this to me is my uh, my my great apart from like the kids and that is my great achievement so far i think i'm so happy with it came from that kernel as we discussed which was that last show that last link and me just uttering those words you know like a radio is a community it's like a garden and everybody tends it together and from that kernel and from them playing the carpenters we've only just begun i was like i say oh that's a manifesto what i've done there by accident that's what it is and we i was lucky the beeb gave me this platform for 14 and a half years and I, they, they allowed me to build an audience and uh, so i took the the super fans of that essentially and uh, and grew this little garden it started to be very brief about it i w- we set up a patreon me and um, my friend clive and his son ben who's a radio is like a sort of audio radio production genius lovely clive lovely you know clive i mean clive, clive tullo one of the great uh, tv producers of all time just google him you, you won't believe what he's done Mind you, we say that after most nights out. You won't believe what Clive's done. <laughs> um, but we, we we sort of set up as a little company almost, and we said, and, well, let's set up a Patreon, and, and that can host this podcast idea that I've got, uh, which I talked about before, that's creative cul-de-sac. And I thought, stupidly, that, that was going to be my fame and fortune, not realising that to get a podcast off the ground and get anybody listening to it is unbelievably hard work. And the, and by the way, congratulations with Two Shot because you've you've actually really done it. And it's it's I don't think people realise how hard it is to have anybody listening to a podcast. Never mind a really good and thriving audience. You know, it's no, really I, hard, isn't it? It's really hard. And I never, I never set out with any expectations. I thought like, oh, well, if couple of people listen i was just trying to learn i was trying to get another skill under my belt of of talking to people and not making the focus about the host which i always hate when they turn it around but it's um yeah it's really difficult and the fact that anybody can just pick up a mic and start broadcasting doesn't necessarily mean they should do you know what i mean i I don't mean that i don't mean that in a cruel way but but let's be honest, there's a lot of shit out there. There's an unbelievable amount of shit out there. He says, oh, look, look. He says making it shit for a minute by knocking his microphone over <laughs> and just making sure he's plugged in his charger. Because what you don't want is me going offline at that very point. There you go. Um, Sean Keaveney, professional broadcaster <laughs> to the end. This definitely doesn't happen at Wogan House. Let me just plug my charger in. But you're, that's you're on, it, it annoyed me a little bit. There's, there's a very famous podcast platform, uh, and just for the end of last year, that and they might still be doing it, but their ads kept popping up a lot. I popped it. <laughs> Weirdly, I popped on the word popping. You, you actually did. That that's a skill in itself. That is good, isn't it? Yeah. Pop. And um, you know that the whole idea of the ads was 
if you've got a voice at all, you know, anybody can be a podcaster. Just pick it up and start. And it's like, you're right, it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, great, democratising, fantastic. We don't want, we get rid of the gatekeepers. Everybody should be able to have a go. That's what's good. One of the good things about, if you're a musician now, that's one of the good things, is that, you know, everybody can, it's not like you have to book in air studios or something. However, you know, musicians don't get fucking paid anymore, which is a, a colossal problem. Mm. But you're right, um, not everybody has got, yeah, everybody should experiment and, and, and have a go. And so maybe maybe some people make a podcast and they just play it to the girlfriend or the boyfriend or or the dog, you know, that's fine. But to get one, to make it stick and to have an audience and to win awards, as you have, it's amazing. Anyway, I certainly learned that in the first 10 episodes. It's like, I don't think I've got the balls for this. I can't be bothered. And then Ben said, like a little genius... And it was a complete aside, Craig, in a chat we were having in the in the boardroom. He just went, I think he was online or something at the, at the time, he was, he was utterly absent-minded. He just went, you know that we could, um, you can do like a radio broadcast on Patreon. You could do a radio show. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, we could do like a live radio show if you wanted. Instead of doing the, the podcast, we could, we could sort of put that on the shelf for now. You could do, a, we'd just send out a link. And people can listen. And I said, well, but what about the music? Well, you buy, a, you buy a license, and as long as you play under a certain amount every year, a couple of hundred pounds a year, it's like a proper radio station. And I was like, are you, f- what? And that's what we started doing. And the first ones were on this desk, looking out of that window, top room of Dollis Hill. It was, it was so unbelievably funny, Craig. It was, so, it was all over the shop. And uh, it was during that Omicron time just before Christmas and Ben couldn't even come in. He was sitting outside in his car giving me instructions, telling me which fader to fucking press. Yeah. It was so glue and strings. But it was the beginning of something. And all of a sudden, like in a couple of months, we had 2,000 subscribers, you know, which is enough. That's a, that's a living more or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bang. Though keeping his back, you know. And, and now it's just brilliant. We, we have this... Hardcore and 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 we we every week it's it's totally different for me. I write stuff and I it, it's a bit different than what I used to do on six. I do, I do a lot more. It sounds awful, but when I describe it, but like sketchy things or pre-written things, or I'll write a stupid fucking song and, and play that, or record things properly. Theater of the mind. It's a you know, it, and, and but there's also the usual idiocy as well, and the music's amazing. I'm really proud of the music every week. So that's it. It's it's lovely, and I I'm, it's I love doing it. And is there a great sense of freedom because you don't have to? F- surely there are no guidelines, really, are there? No, there are none, Craig. I mean, the, and and obviously with great power comes great responsibility. I don't have to tell you. Um, but Eleven. <laughs> the two most powerful men in the free world, Frost Nixon. Uh, it, yeah, it is. You can say and do whatever you like. And, and obviously I, and I, I've lost a few subscribers along the way because one or two people, understandably, it's, it, the source is a bit strong for them. Some people say, I'm not, I'm not paying anymore because I, I, I want to hear him present the radio and play songs. I don't want to hear his political views. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. And then, you know, there are one or two people, can you believe, Craig, who have complained about my swearing? Excuse um, me. Ec- wow. Ec- fucking excuse me. Wow. And um, But most most people are just like, we just, 
love the f- the, the fact that it is a f- this free thing, you know, and mm. it's lovely. And also, subscribers are going to drop off and they're going to come back on, and some t- some months people just can't afford yeah. to support. I you know I get that. I get it all the time with with our community, our gang of listeners. But it, um, we yeah, are we are living in, and, and I know it's it's a cliche now, but it's it doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, in all certainly in our lifetimes, and I think if you're eighty. You you could you wouldn't be able to remember a harder cost of living crisis again pre- precipitated by some of the biggest vandals and idiots that the world has ever known in charge, but that's it. I, I always I, I get on the emails and say thanks so much for your support. I, I completely understand you you can't afford to do this anymore because it's still it's four quid a month, but it's still that's at the moment that's difficult to come by a lot of the time. So, you know, but we're surviving and we're we're almost thriving, which is a wonderful thing in this environment. Well, onwards and upwards, Sean. I hope it continues to grow. I hope the garden continues to flourish and grow. Um, Sean, this has been lovely. It's always a pleasure seeing you. I don't see you enough. No. Um, Can I just say that the last time I saw you, I'm pretty certain the last time I saw you in the flesh was at... Was it McCartney at Glastonbury, wasn't it? Was it that yeah, night? Yeah, it was that night. We yeah. were in a right old two and eight, weren't we? We were very emotional, weren't we, Craig? It, it was a very emotional, a long, a very emotional long night. Um, I think we should probably not talk about those <laughs> stories. Sean. Um, one last question, my friend. Um, I haven't asked this for a long time, and sometimes I sign out with us. Sean, are you happy? Oh, that's excellent. Looks really. I'm, I'm not just being disingenuous. Or, <laughs> um, you're making me search my my brain and soul here. Good. Yeah, I, I would say that. Uh, you know what's funny is that I, if I was honestly answering it, uh, if you asked me if just a couple of just a few months ago, I probably would have said I don't know whether I am very happy at the moment, and I think that is a lot to do with the things that I was struggling with. Um, with 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 uh, you know my brain chemistry and stuff like that, and also with all the changes that had happened and all the the chaos that was going on in my life, mm. but I do feel pretty. I do feel happy now, happier, and and, and it's as you know that's uh, uh, anybody with any wisdom at all, even a modicum of wisdom, knows that happiness is not what you shoot for. Um, the occasional happiness is what you shoot for, and an availability of happiness. Um, you know sort of contentment is the most i i hope for as i get older and 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 then even a different kind of bar altogether is is everybody all right is everybody alive is everybody well then everything else is gravy and so you know uh yeah i would say to the cosmos if you're listening i'm very happy and um you know keep keep on you know giving us the bountiful stuff because it's it's nice to be here Sean Keaveney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. You take care. Craig, thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. And another episode is done. So tell me, you enjoy it? Yeah? Has it jumped into your top three, top five, top ten podcasts of all time? Oh, well, TSPs of all time. I think it maybe has. Um, yeah, and, you know, we, we obviously me and Sean spoke about this, but do you know what? I don't plug things, but 
Sean is such a lovely, lovely bloke. And he's, I think he's brilliant at his job. He's, he was such an inspiration for me when I was learning to, to be a broadcaster. Um, especially when I went sort of off-piste and uh, wrote and recorded the... the, the um, I forgot that was the Line of Duty podcast that I did for for BBC because it was different because I wasn't doing what I was learning to do here, which is this. He was such an inspiration to just relax and be natural and be yourself. Uh, so I really hope you enjoyed it. I really do. I can't thank Sean enough. So yeah, do listen to the lineup. Get it wherever you get all your podcasts. As we mentioned, he's had fantastic guests. Joe Cornish was his guest last week. Um, Trawl back through it. He's had some really interesting people on. And of course, our TSP favourite, Mr. John Sim. It's a brilliant listen. Maybe start with John and then see how you get on. Uh, And his community garden radio, you can support and listen to every Friday. Uh, Just Google that and uh, and see if you can support him on Patreon. But speaking of support, we are on Patreon. I feel like I'm asking loads of support now. But yes, the Two Shot Podcast is on Patreon. If you're enjoying what we do, maybe you want to support us. You don't support us all the time. Maybe you think, actually, yeah, I could bung him a few quid this month. Uh, and not have those pints that I've been having in January. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that to the TSP support community. There's gifts. I say gifts. You support us, we support you. There's uh, mugs, there's tote bags, there's T-shirts. There's some lovely cosy hoodies that are going to keep you super, super warm January, February, March as it gets colder. Um, I saw a car this morning on the way to the gym covered in snow. So I think it came over from the wrong side of the Pennines. And that is Yorkshire. No offence, people from Yorkshire. Big, big love. So, until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take care of yourself. Keep warm. Maybe pop the heating on for a couple of hours. Right, I'm going to go and uh, empty that washing machine. See you next week. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers.